Chapter 31 After reflecting on their near miss on Upper Street, Steve filled in some of the gaps in which Isla showed interest. I moved to London when I should have been in my first year at uni. He recounted the story of his boyhood friends screwing up the band and the guilt he felt as a result of his success, given that the only good thing to arise from the band was his career. His road was one of determination and gutsy attrition, but sitting where he was now made it all worthwhile. So, Hemel Hempstead, not known for its cricket or anything else, you seem glad to have left it. We have a complicated magic roundabout, but the chance to move would be nice. I'm still living there with my parents. There isn't much point in paying to live away when I'm only there one or two nights a week. When I am there, I just get the basics done. Laundry and job admin. You know the sort of stuff. I might move to Watford before the end of the year. It's a whole seven miles away. Life-changing, Steve chuckled to himself. He'd only been there once, a few years before, when Pompey had played and it kicked off around the station afterwards. Not an unusual outcome on a Pompey away day, with the 657 crew intent on reminding the locals that they were in town for one day only each year. He remembered watching with interest from the station forecourt as some lads that he'd been at school with chased off a bunch of Watford supported up the Clarendon Road and into a working men's club. It wasn't really a Mods versus Rockers rampage like the one in Quadrophenia, the benchmark for any notable street aggro. It was all rather half-arsed. Dreadlock Holiday gave way to the usual mix of holiday tunes you'd expect to hear in hotel bars the world over, as the band glided their way through red, red wine and the Merrymans feeling hot before they hit their stride, with the obligatory smattering of instantly recognisable Marley classics that even the musically ignorant knew. Things went off track as the tempo and volume increased, with the front man putting everything he had into his version of Billy Ocean's Caribbean Queen, a song that hinted towards the imminency of a musical war crime. As far as Steve was concerned, the set was becoming inexcusably bad. He shifted at the change in musical pace and knew they had run their luck. He tried, but he couldn't switch off from the noise. Something needed to change, and despite having the best room in the hotel, he wasn't yet a customer value to the point where he could arrange for the band to be unplugged. Steve picked up the baton, desperate to not let his second chance disappear, but before he got the first syllable out, Isla beat him to it. Do you want to move on somewhere else?